Bible and stand up on your feet with us. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 6. And as promised, I told you we're, we've been skipping around in Matthew 6, but we're going to continue along in this passage. Matthew, the 6th chapter, we're going to look at verse number 5 through 8 this morning. And it reads like this. These are the words of Jesus. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. I say to you, assuredly, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and give us just a sensitivity in our spirit today to be able to hear what you're saying and let it translate to life change, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, as I always say, good morning. Hope you all had a great weekend. God is so good. And um, some amazing things are happening. I uh, just want to tell you, I've spent the last couple of days um, out at our former district campground, which would be Turner Falls. Many of you may have probably went there a time or two before. But uh, it was a gathering of ministers and some of our former superintendents and former uh, uh, district and kids, youth uh, leaders. And we were talking. I was talking with a, a fellow many of you probably know uh, by the name of Tom Green. Uh, Tom Green really got his start here around these neck of the woods. We got to talking about the fact that next year is our 100-year anniversary as a church. Now, that's pretty cool. A hundred years of ministry. Can you imagine? Now, everything didn't happen in this building. We had another location. But can you imagine if walls could talk? All of the wondrous, wonderful things that have happened, all of the, the salvations, the miracles, the prayers, all of those things. Well, here's something, and, and I know we're a long ways away from this, but we've already put it on our calendar, and we've invited Tom to come back and, and share with us, and we're going to invite some of our former pastors, and so we got a year and a half to plan, so hallelujah. It's going to be awesome. And so the reason why I said that is because it was a time uh, to seek God. It was a time to pray. In fact, they called it the shh retreat. Now you say, what, what in the world is a, a prayer retreat that's a shh retreat? Because a lot of us, we pray and tell God everything and then we get up and leave. But a shh retreat is an opportunity for you to stop and actually listen to what the Lord is saying to you. How many of you know the scripture said, be still and know that I am God? Uh, there is a place for loudness. Us Pentecostals, we have that down. There's a place for loudness, but there's also a place to seek God in the stillness. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking a little bit about some of that. But over the last few weeks, if you joined us for our series, Holy Habits, on week number one, I started out talking to you about the importance of the Word of God. I'm telling you right now, this Bible was given to us by God as he breathed and inspired men of old as they wrote the word of God. It served the test of time. 
nations have tried to destroy it. They've tried to ban it. They've tried to do so many things. But the Bible says that the, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God shall abide forever. This Bible has stood the test of time. And you and I as people who live in a free nation where we're not under a communist regime, we're not under dictator, dictators and, and things of that nature, we have the ability not just to read the Bible, but to own literally as many as we want. We have electronics with apps on our phones and our, and our, and our, and our Samsung tablets and our iPads that literally with the touch of a button, you can pull up any translation of the Bible that you want. And so last uh, two weeks, I challenged you to make a plan to read through the scripture so that you have an understanding of the word of God. I hope many of you have done that over the last few weeks. Uh, last Sunday, I talked to you about the unlocking the power of fasting and what fasting really does and what it looks like in our life, what a biblical fast is, abstaining from food for a season, for a spiritual purpose. And uh, we talked indeed about the importance of abstaining from other things, you know, that maybe have a hold on our life. But true fasting is indeed the going without of food. And uh, this week, I want to talk to you about the twin to prayer, uh, or to fasting rather, which is prayer. Uh, I talked to you about fasting first, but today I want to specifically spend some time talking to you about prayer. And so today, uh, my title of my message today is The Power of Private Prayer. The Power of Private Prayer. Uh, this morning, I'm going to attempt to answer some questions uh, to some of you that perhaps maybe you have questions about different things. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. The Power of Private Prayer. I'm going to get into this more in just a moment. But in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus is dealing with the issue of the Pharisees. And he just got off of, or, or rather just kind of a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And then what he's doing is he's pulling his disciples in close, those who follow them. And he is teaching them the importances of spiritual discipline. Uh, we started from week number one and we understood that Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray, when you fast, not if you fast, when you give, not if you give. So Jesus is talking to them about things that should be consistent in the Christian life. However, Jesus also begins to deal with, and it's the recurring theme of this passage, he begins to deal with the motivation behind why we do what we do. Um, this particular passage does not have anything to do, per se, with anybody knowing what you give. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you pray in public or pray in private. Many people have come to me and they've said, Pastor, this verse right here is why we shouldn't pray out loud in public. That's not what Jesus said at all. The scripture is full of passages where they prayed out loud and they prayed together in public. This passage is dealing with the motivation of wanting to appear self-righteous before men. See, I want to set you up for success in 2023 because it not only matters what you do, it matters why you do it. Come on, somebody. And if you do it for the wrong reason, Jesus simply says, you've already received your reward. Uh, in other words, everybody should know that you've went on a 
three-day fast. Come on, somebody. It's okay to know the church is in a season of fasting, but like I told you, what you do should be private. Amen. All right? And, and so the same thing goes with other things. He's dealing with the motives of our hearts. But today, as we just continue to look and, and delve into this subject, Jesus tells us that there is great power whenever we fast, whenever we give, and whenever we pray in the right motive and in the right method. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about those things. I heard a story, and this is a true story. The works are online. You can go back and you can look at them. I love reading missionary stories from the old school missionaries that used to, to, to just go in faith, and they, they didn't have a budget. They didn't have any of that stuff. They just went, and God supernaturally helped, and he provided. But there was a, a missionary by the name of Dr. Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary to a little country called Zaire. She told the following story. Now, they were, let me set this up for you. They were... Um, uh, missionaries who were running an orphanage. They took all of these little children who their parents had died or abandoned them. But here's the story that she documented in her writing. She said, a mother at our mission station, she died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, but the only hot water bottle we had was beyond repair. So we asked the children to pray for the baby and for her little sister. One of the girls responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, while we're at it, would you please send a doll for the baby's little sister so she won't, big sister, so she won't feel so lonely. That afternoon, a large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as they opened it, but much to their surprise, under some clothing, there was a hot water bottle right under the surface. When the baby, uh, when the little child that prayed saw that, she got excited and she said, Dear God, I know that if he sent a bottle, he must have sent a baby doll. And she continued to dig in that little box and lo and behold, to everybody's surprise, there was a baby doll stuffed in the bottom of this box. Now what was interesting was that when they looked at the shipping date of this, it was five months earlier you got to understand, sending things to another nation sometimes take time, and sometimes things get lost in transition. But aren't you glad that even though when things get lost in transition, we serve a God who is just on time? Aren't you glad he can honor the faith of a little girl or a little boy who will just exercise faith? What this shows us this morning is not only we see the faith of a child, but what we see is the sovereign foreknowledge of God. Here's what the scripture says. Your father knows what you need before you even ask for it. Before this little child ever uttered a prayer, God had spoke to some women's group in England to send this missionary some clothes, a baby bottle, and a baby doll. I'm telling you, only God can do that. It's awesome how we see God deals with this time and time again. What a testimony for us to know that God sees our need ahead of time. Yet, we got to ask ourselves the question. If God sees everything ahead of time, why pray? 
It's a fair question. The scripture does say that God knows the end of a thing from the beginning. In fact, it's theologically hard to understand, but I believe God works so much differently than we do. Because here's the thing. When John, in the book of Revelation, when the the people were crying out, who's worthy to open up the scroll? He said, behold, I looked and said, and I saw a lamb that looked like it was slain from the foundation of the earth. Wow. So awesome. God had a plan before anything had even happened. we got to understand this morning, prayer is powerful. So this morning, as we're journeying along in this text, there's some things that I want to talk to you about. But as we're looking at this, I want to tell you that just like it's important for you to read your Bible, just like it's important for you, uh, obviously, to fast and to be generous, it's of utter importance that you learn to develop a prayer life. It's important for you to learn how to develop a prayer life. Now, I want to I make myself very, very plain today. Uh, even atheists, quote-unquote, pray when they get in trouble. I have been on the plane before, and I have seen people, when turbulence happened, they grab their chair and say, Oh, God, help us. These are not religious people. These aren't people who attend church. Many of them, I had had conversation with them before on a long ride. But whenever something happens, they say, oh, God. I want to tell you, most people in some form or fashion pray. Most of us in here pray some form or some fashion. So today, if I were to take a poll and I were to say, do you pray every day? I would guess at least 95 people inside of a church would raise their hand. And I would say this morning that's probably true. However, when we look at it this morning, if we were to take a filter and divide a couple of characteristics here, we might find that what I'm talking about and what you're talking about are totally different. You see, most everybody who grew up in a Christian home, they pray over their food. God is good, God is great, let us thank him for our food, amen. Okay, we do that, there's nothing wrong with that. Most people pray before they go to bed. Lord, please forgive me of all my sin, watch over me, keep me safe, help me have a good night's sleep, bless my family, amen. That's great. That's not the type of prayer, though, that I'm talking about. I'm talking about etched out time in your life that is for nobody but you and Jesus. Secret times where you steal away and you pray. Times where it may be in your closet, literally. It may be um, commute time to work. It may be, um, it, it could be anywhere. It could be in your office at home. It could be any, any place, but it's a place that you make available for you to have private prayer time with the Lord. It's interesting. If you take all of the kings, all of the presidents, and all of the rulers of the earth, and you put them in a straight line from the Saudi Arabia 
princes, from the Persian princes, from the United States government officials, from, from China, from North Korea, from any government. You, you think about the most powerful people on the earth. I want you to think about this. Any one of those people require you and I to have an appointment to come talk to them. None of us are able to just waltz into their office, sit down, and start talking. We wouldn't even think that we could do such a thing. However, you and I do have access into the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you to think about this. And my father don't need an appointment. He said, you can boldly come into my presence and make your request made known unto me. We, we don't have to have an invitation to come in to his presence. He has already made that invitation. So my question, therefore, this morning is this. If then we have such an opportunity to come into the presence of God boldly, how come so many people don't? How come so many people don't? You and I have the opportunity to sit at the feet of the creator of the universe. You sit here and say, well, pastor, I really don't understand the Bible. Why don't you stop and listen to the one who wrote it? Oh, hallelujah. It's amazing. We spend days and days and hours, and I'm for all of it, digging through commentaries and things of that nature. And, and I love to study like the rest of the people. But let me tell you something. There's nothing like the Holy Spirit bringing that illumination to your mind. God wants to speak to us. We have an invitation to come into his presence and literally commune with him. See, this morning, what we got to ask ourselves is, what is prayer before we can pray effectively we have to know what is prayer well prayer is basically two-way communication between us and God two-way I said two-way two-way communication between us and God God speaks to us. That's plain in the scripture. My sheep know my voice. That of a stranger they will not follow. How God speaks to us is different. Sometimes it may be through the gifts of the spirit, like a tongue and interpretation. Sometimes it's through rhema word of the scripture. You're reading and something jumps out. Sometimes it's a still, small voice that whispers in our heart. Uh, sometimes you may, it happened in scripture. It's been recorded to happen as well in, in, in significant times of history where somebody heard the audible voice of God. God can speak different ways, but God wants to speak to us. But because so many people approach prayer as a one-way communication street, we never take the time to actually stop and hear what he's speaking to us. Amen. A lot of times we get in prayer and we say, oh God, this is wrong with my job. This is wrong with my kid. Like he, does, he knows already. 
He does. And he wants us to come to him with those things. But the truth is, is that he wants to commune with us more than us just giving him our Christmas list, our wish list. Amen. God, he, Jesus is not a magic genie. And prayer is not a bottle that you scratch. Let me tell you something. God answers all prayer. Well, pastor, my prayer ain't been answered. Yes, it has. Just not in the way you want it. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Now, not things that are revealed the will of God in Scripture, but things that we're seeking God on. Sometimes he closes doors in our face. We wanted it in our carnality, but the Lord, who sees the need before we even pray, sometimes says, that job's not for you. That marriage is not for you. That, 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 that journey is not for you. And God knows. And listen, sometimes because we don't spend enough time listening to God in prayer, we often don't get what we need. Corey Ten Boom is famous for saying this. Prayer ought to be our steering wheel, not our spare tire. You grab a spare tire in an emergency. Oh, God, get me out of this one. I promise if you help me, I'll never do it again. I prayed that prayer more times than I possibly could ever imagine. If I had a quarter for every time I did that, I'd be able to buy stock in Tesla. Come on. But God doesn't want us to treat prayer as our 911 emergency switch, but rather he wants it to be our information hotline. Rather than praying, oh God, help me out of this situation. Maybe we should pray, oh God, should I get into this situation? Because the Holy Spirit will speak to us in some way that you'll know. Now, I want to get into our text this morning. I haven't even got into it yet. But the importance of prayer personally and privately is so very important. I want to look at the first thing that we see in this scripture. I want to look at avoiding hypocrisy in prayer. This is found in verse 5 and 6. Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. And surely I say to you that they have their reward. Okay, stop right there. Jesus is addressing, as I said moments ago, the... Um, motivation of the heart let me tell you something there's nothing wrong in a corporate setting with believers praying out loud there are even some cases where it's okay to pray out in a public place during um during peaceful protests, during uh, when, when, when the nations were going crazy, during BLM and, and the COVID lockdowns, there were people, church groups, out in the streets praying publicly. Um, uh, during abortion legislation, there were people that were different groups who were speaking out on the rights of the unborn. They were praying publicly. But that wasn't what Jesus was addressing. Jesus was addressing the mentality of the Pharisees because they wanted to pray to be seen. You see, it's not wrong to pray out in public for a protest. It's only wrong to pray out in public for a protest if you don't pray at home. Come on, somebody. It's only wrong if you're not really a praying person because you're just doing it for looks. 
These Pharisees had their righteous robes. They had their phylacteries, which were little boxes that contained scriptures inside of them. They had many of the books of the law memorized, and their prayers were nice and eloquent. It, it would be like today if, if somebody insisted in only praying in flowery King James English. Boisterous, loud, in public, for people to see it and say, oh, well, that's a pretty prayer. Jesus said, don't do that. Because it's a form of hypocrisy. Why? Because these people are not genuinely seeking a relationship with God. Here's the thing. We must carefully guard our motives in prayer. I'll tell you an example. I heard this some years ago. Former church that I was in years and years and years ago. I, uh, there was a, a person that was known to always be asking people for money. They knew who the generous people in the church were who had a good heart, could be taken advantage of. So anytime they were down on their luck financially, they, they would make sure that this person knew about it. There's a word for that, for that where I come from in the South. It's called poor mouthing. Come on, somebody. Poor mouthing. You're making people your source and not God. And so uh, their one, one time their um, strategy, direct strategy, didn't work. So they came into the prayer meeting and they knelt down beside the person. And they said, oh God, you know my rent is due. You know what I need, oh Lord. Trying to see who was watching them. This is what Jesus is dealing with. Jesus is dealing with praying to be seen and heard. Here's what I want you to know. It doesn't matter if man sees or hears you. God sees and hears you. And what he, you do in the secret place of your life, honoring to God and faithful, God, the scripture says, will reward you openly. It tells us to avoid hypocrisy in prayer. Don't use prayer, other words, as a gossip line don't use prayer as a hint drop I've heard a lot of stuff through the years disguised as a prayer request by the way oh y'all ain't gonna say amen to that some of you were guilty amen you know so-and-so's car was parked out in front of so-and-so's house we need y'all to pray come on somebody Jesus said, avoid such foolishness. The second thing he tells us is the importance of privacy in prayer. I want to look at this. Check this out. Verse 6, but when you pray, you go into your room. When you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Here's what God is saying. When you, when you pray, here's the importance of privacy in prayer. He said, I want you to, to come in. I want you to close the door. And I want you to pray to your Father who is in secret. And if that doesn't get any better, here's what he also says. All them pre-wrote, pre-polished, flowery prayers... Throw that away. Be real when you come to me. I tell you, when Jesus 
was talking later in this passage, and he gave us the outline of the Lord's Prayer. He said, pray this way. He never meant it to be something that is just repeated over and over and over again. It's a pattern of prayer that if we were to look at it, it would teach us how to spend more than just two minutes in prayer. But Jesus said, go into the secret place, and I want you to pray. You know, Jesus modeled this. Which, by the way, I always say this when I teach on prayer, and I've taught on it a lot. So if this is repetition, you ate more than one hamburger in your life too. So just forgive me. Amen. Jesus is the one who taught us to pray. He's the one who taught us. He modeled it. He always was stealing away and praying to the Father, which must mean all prayers, not just Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for this. Forgive me of that. Some of y'all, if you just get past the forgive me's, you might have something to pray about. Amen. I mean, seriously. Lord, you saw what I did today. Forgive me. Let that be cleansed and washed in the blood of Jesus. And, and you know, you go on about your prayer requests and, and your, your petitions before God. But here's what I want you to see as we're looking at this. Jesus said, I want you to throw all of that away and I want you to pray. But as I mentioned, Jesus was our model in prayer, and Jesus did not need forgiveness of sin. And so his prayer was simply for intimacy and fellowship with the Father. Amen. Let me say it again. Jesus' prayer was simply for intimacy and fellowship with the Father. How many, how many of you men remember when you dated your wives? Amen. Do you, you, you remember what it was like to know that, okay, right now it's 8.30 in the morning, but at noon we got a lunch date. Thank you, Siri. Uh, my phone started talking to me. Do you know, do you remember what that was like? That, that anticipation for that meeting that's how God wants us to be when we approach him in prayer. Jesus oftentimes, notice, Scripture says in the morning early, he got up to seek the Father. After long seasons of ministry, Jesus would go across the sea and he would get alone with God and he would pray. It's almost like prayer was a recharging for Jesus. Because he got with the Father, and the Father was able to speak to him. The Father was able to encourage him. The Father was able to give him strength. In fact, Jesus spent so much time with his Father. In fact, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. We're that one together. Here's what Jesus said. I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. He spent so much time in the secret place, in the privacy of prayer, that he got daily instruction from the Lord. It's important for us to have time in prayer. God is a loving and a caring father who wants to have a personal relationship with us. If you're taking notes, write this down. We must prioritize the importance of having a genuine and authentic relationship with God rather than seeking the approval of others. We have to have a priority of having a genuine and authentic relationship with God rather than seeking the approval of others. You know what I've come to find out? If God approves of you, that's all that really matters. 
It's all that really matters is what he thinks of you. Jesus used that metaphor, close the door, emphasizing time to find that place. So you've got to prioritize it. Got to prioritize it. Bible doesn't tell us how long we should pray at a time, but he does tell us that we need to prioritize that in our lives. I, I would encourage us in this technological age, turn your phone off, put it on silent. Go in a place where there's no electronics. Don't pray in the same room with the television. These are not legalistic things. These are things of practical wisdom. Why? Because the enemy wants to distract you from having that intimate time with God. He does. And if he can make circumstances and situations happen and your phone ring and your phone buzz and this and that and the other to keep you off of the task of prayer, it be, be before you know it, it's the end of the day. And yeah, you prayed over your food. Yeah, you said the little prayer. But I mean that, that specific time with the Lord, before you know it, your whole day has gone by. Interesting to me, the disciples spent time with Jesus. They watched him walk on water. They watched him heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. And do you know what? When Jesus was getting ready to near his departure, they didn't ask him about any of that. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to cast out devils. Never asked. Lord, teach us how to heal the sick. That miracle where you made the crooked arm straight, that sure was pretty cool. No, I'm sure it was, but Jesus didn't teach them that, and they didn't ask that. They did say, Lord... Teach us how to pray. That's how important it is. Lastly, number three, closing. We look at the example of the Father in prayer. Look at verse 8. Actually, verse, yeah, verse 7 and 8. It says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I'm going to give you a principle here. We are supposed to use our words. God gave us words for a reason. But he's saying, hey, you're sitting here and you're just jabbering your jaw. you got all these polished prayers you're repeating over and over again. And he said, for those people who do that, they think they're going to be heard with their many words. But do you know something? God knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. In other words, you can just like be still and don't even have to say anything. There's a time for both. There's a time to just be still and there's a time where there's it's time to go to war as I like to say. But he continues on and he tells us this. Verse 8. Therefore do not be like them. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Do you know that I've talked to people throughout the years. One of the excuses I've, I've, I've received when I've asked them about their prayer life. Hey, what? tell me about your prayer life. Do you pray? Well, I really don't. I don't really like to pray. Nine times out of ten, what it always came back to, at least in my experience, were that people felt like some type of guilt or shame or they felt bad or they felt like maybe they were bugging the Lord with their problems, you know. 
I actually had somebody tell me they, they, were, they were suffering with, with headaches, rep- repetitive headaches. Um, and I asked them, I'm like, well, have you prayed about it? You know what they said? They said, I don't want to bother the Lord with that. Folks, he's not a search engine. Like, you can't overwhelm him. His server doesn't crash. His, he's not going to say, there are too many people on this site. Come back later. No, he's not going to say anything like that. Listen, the Bible says his ear is not dull that he cannot hear. And his arm is not short that he cannot reach down and save you. That's what the scripture says. He, he knows everything we have need of. Before they even ask us. Before we even ask him. Let me give you the best illustration of this. Any of you that ever raised small kids understand that there comes a point in their life where they can't really articulate what they need. They don't know. They don't know that their pants are too short, that they've outgrown them. They don't, they're just kids. They're little. Went through a growth spurt. But as an observant parent, in the perfect world, you would look and you would say, you know what? They don't realize they need pants, but I know they need pants. So I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy them some pants and insert whatever, socks, boxers, underwear, whatever. You, you, you name things that children need, and, and that's what parents do. But let me tell you something. God is our Father. He created you. He fashioned you. He, he gave you a purpose and a destiny. And He knows everything about you. Your comings and your goings. Your ins and your outs. Your, your imperfections and, and your strengths. He knows everything. So He's not intimidated. When we actually come to Him and say, God, I'm in need today. This is where I'm at. This is what I need. Let me tell you, he already knows. So if he already knows, then why don't we make it a daily practice to spend some time in some focused private prayer? Because God wants to help us. Amen?